Today I'm chatting with Logan Storley. Logan's the interim champion over at Bellator, 170-pound weight division, welterweight. Also, back in the day, was you know four-time All-American wrestler. So every year of college, you could you think about staying for another year to get your fifth time, or <laughs> yeah. you were okay to graduate. I was ready to be done. So yeah. So you grew up in small town South Dakota. How do you how do you go from 200-person community in South Dakota to you know an MMA champion? Um. So. Funny story, Brock Lesnar oh. happened to be from the same hometown as me. So, hmm. um, you know, I got to see Brock. Went to, he went to University of Minnesota. I ended up going to the University of Minnesota and to, you know, come from a small community and see a guy go and do it and be on the world stage in WWE. You know, he's a superstar. So it kind of put you in, put in your head as a young kid, like, okay, I can do this. And then Brock went to um, continue to fight and... Then I started doing amateur um, MMA when I was, I had my first amateur fight when I was 16 years old. Uh, my mom had to sign off on the paperwork <laughs> and to drive me to weigh-ins. Um, and that's kind of how it started. So, you know, I've, wrestling took me, you know, to this spot in my life that if it wasn't for wrestling, if I didn't have wrestling, I, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, so two people I know connected to Brock is uh, has had Kurt Angle over recently. Oh. We, were, we were doing uh, interviews together and spent a day over at my place. And uh, and then Frank Muir is uh, you know a close friend and a training partner of mine. So they Brock and Frank are forever tied together in you know, yeah. their, their MMA adventures. So um, yeah, Brock's a big ass. You spend time around this guy? Um, I used to when he was in uh, Alexandria. Now he moved up. I think he's up in Canada now. So my senior year of uh, high school, Tony Ferguson, when, the ultimate fighter, when Tony was going through it, Brock was his coach. Hmm. So I was, uh, I'd get down to school at 2, 2.30, drive to Alexandria and spar with Tony Ferguson as hmm. a senior in high school. So it was, uh, then you saw Tony go on his run. And I, I don't know, it was just kind of eye-opening that I knew that I could go compete with the best guys in the world, and I got that from being around Tony and seeing him go on his run. And so it's pretty cool as you know, as an 18-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, to be wrestling and sparring with a guy that you, you're starting to see on TV and you know in the top top ten, top five. So I had a lot of confidence from those experiences. I think it's funny how that works out, where um, you know you get to be around. That my life was a bit that way. That my my father, um, growing up, my father spent a lot of my childhood in prison. He was the largest cocaine trafficker in my county's history. Oh wow! But yes, yeah, so it's not where the story you thought <laughs> not the story you thought I was going to say. But um, you know, something that helped me, I think, uh, have bigger goals in life is when I was when I was a little child, when growing up, when he was still around, uh, we had a lot of nice things, you know. Mm -hmm. And it multiple homes and a lot of vehicles and nice jewelry and all these nice things around. And then later, um, you know, he was gone and the government seizes all your stuff. So now I was sitting home with my, my mama welfare and uh, you know, there's a, quite a contrast early in life. And I, you know, I, had, I formed an opinion about that at an early age. I'm like, well, that kind of sucks. There's, it's more fun having, you know, having money and financial resources and social resources and it's a lot more fun. Um, but I also didn't like the prison part. That didn't seem like a, a great plan for my adulthood, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to think about that. I'm like, hmm, well, how do we get the good stuff without the bad stuff? And you know, that kind of set me on a path of, of entrepreneurship. But 
sustainable entrepreneurship, not yeah. just type of entrepreneurship, <laughs> if you will. So, uh, but, but the main point I mean to make when you when you see people doing you know bigger things, um, he's very financially successful. This is back in the '80s. He was doing very well financially at that time. Um, but you know, it, it kind of puts the thought in your head, like you know, like oh, I could do that too. And then you know, but you got to find your path to to do it, you know, your the right way and in a sustainable way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, I love I love my hometown. I come from grew up on a farm, and so you know, small towns. Sometimes people are stuck in their ways, but it's I have a lot of people. You know, know a lot of people that are very successful, but and they chose to stay there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then there's other people that they get stuck there, mm-hmm. and then they don't get to you know experience the world and. Ha- see you know meet different people and have different opinions and kind of realize what's out there and so i uh i wanted to venture off and and go to college and do these things and and like you said when through wrestling you start with boosters and other people you saw people that were successful or had more money than you ever thought possible you know you thought it was like almost fake when you come from (laughs) you know a smaller town where if you don't see it as much, mm-hmm. and then it starts to become more normal and more uh, like, oh, I can actually like these people. I know these people now that are doing this or have done this, and so kind of just becomes more normal. You put it in your head that I can be successful as long as I listen to the right people, and so that's uh, that's one thing that is just crazy about sports in general, especially you know wrestling, fighting. Is you get to be around a lot of successful people, and and they teach you a lot. Mm-hmm. Along, along the way. So there's a lot more to fighting than just the fighting part, you know. And so I think a lot of us are really grateful for what we've learned through fighting. You know, my grandparents had a small farm, and um, you know that, that put a few principles in my head. And I'm wondering if it might have affected your life the same way that you know some people have a, a lot of delusions about what it takes to be successful or what it takes to build something. And you know, if you're if you're a farmer with a lot of delusions, that's not conducive to having a crop or a herd or whatnot, <laughs> you know. So there there's some principles there, like you know, oh, that you it doesn't matter how you feel about it. There's a certain time that you have to plant a crop, or there's a certain time you have to tend to the animals, and you got to go do it every day at that time, you know. Yeah, and that that was uh, that was the biggest thing with my my family is you know they were very loving and, and took me a lot of places for wrestling, but they also we also had uh, there was rules. You know, it didn't exactly like I said. It doesn't matter how you feel. Like the cows still need to be fed. You still need to get up and do these things. It, there is no sick days. That you know, mm-hmm. in farming, there's you're also battling Mother Nature when it you know rain and this and that. So there was a lot of uh, just the the work ethic is different because um, you don't get to blame it on anyone else, and you have to do you have to do the work and you have to do it the right way. So. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. I think that's why I was successful at wrestling um, because I had two parents that were both both grew up from on farms and were both workers, um, but were, you know, they both were successful in their own thing because of the work ethic. I'm curious in, in your self-talk or you know in your own words <clears throat> in your head, when uh, I, I imagine you're not motivated every moment of every day, <laughs> but you still got to go do the thing because that's what you do. So what what is that? What do you say to yourself when it's time to go do the thing that maybe you don't feel like it today, but it's time to go to practice or <clears throat> it's time for your weight training or whatever it might be? Um, I th- I think <clears throat> for me as a com- as a competitor, you look at I guess 
say the fights were on last night, right, Saturday. Everyone, I always say this to younger kids when we do camps. I said, everyone wants to be the man on Saturday night, mm-hmm. you know, in the event. that After the fight's over, like, I wish I was him. I said, but then when it comes to doing the work, uh, you know, if it's Friday night and everyone's going out, but you have to be home for eight weeks of camp and you can't, you miss events. And, and so those are kind of moments where you think about it as, like, you look at the future of, okay, when, the, when I step in that cage or I'm warming up in the background and the butterflies and I'm excited, I think back to those moments of, man, I didn't want to go do it, but I did it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have to drive 20 minutes to go to uh, strength conditioning, but I did it all those times. And so I think it just compounds and starts to add up of doing the, t- the little things. And, you know, after a few weeks, you start to see that uh, really snowball and start to make that progress. This, that makes a lot of sense. Um, in my self-talk, I, I think to myself some days, like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like I only slept three hours. I don't feel like getting up right now and doing you know, some difficult thing. And then I remind myself, well, the success gods don't care about my feelings. Yeah. The money gods don't care about my feelings, mm-hmm. but they will reward your behaviors. Yep. Success gods don't give a damn about your feelings, but they will reward your behaviors or punish them. But if you if you engage in good behaviors consistently, you're probably going to have some good outcomes, yeah? Yeah, and, and I think that's where, with a sport like, go back to wrestling again, you know, that's why I, in wrestling you see a lot of guys become successful afterwards because they do the small mm-hmm. things right and they don't take the shortcuts because in wrestling there's nobody else to blame. You know, whereas team sports, when you're in high school, you know, football, you can blame the coach, you can blame, you can blame a lot of people. Whereas mm-hmm. wrestling is... There's no one to blame, and there was, uh, it's, you're exposed. Same with fighting or grappling. You're exposed in front of everyone because it's 1v1. And so you have to do those little things that when no one's watching because you know it's going to, if you didn't, it's going to be expo- exposed in front of everyone. And so that's why I, um, I really think that if it's you know consistency. Just being consistent and doing the small things. Um, and I'm, you know, especially in your world and in, in the financial world, I think people start doing, a, making small changes all of a sudden in a month, you know, a month later, it doesn't seem like much, but 10 years down the road, it's all those small changes each day um, made a big, a big difference. You know, in the area of, you know, finance or investment that, mm-hmm. I'm, that I'm most specialized in or that I'm most excited about over the years, I, I love distressed investing. I love when, uh, when there's a good recession or a good panic and people are, you turn on your television and like normal men are crying and the, the media makes a big hysteria mm-hmm. out of it, you know? Um, those are the best, best times where my, my heart gets, I, I never felt a deeper romance than, <laughs> than a, you know, a really good recession. And, um, you know, the people make a lot of irrational decisions. Wouldn't you love it if, you know, your next match or your, your, for the rest of your career, your opponents were extremely emotional and doing a lot of irrational things. Yeah, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't that be great? Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, what if your opponents didn't train for that situation? They didn't do any training. They never showed up for strength and conditioning. They, um, they're very emotional and irrational. Like, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Make, so, well, that's what I practice for. Yeah, so. yeah. 
But, you know, sometimes I have to wait a long time between matches for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to wait a long time before there's a, a good hysteria in the marketplace. And you might have a little, you know, something here and something there. And we'll take those. And that's nice. And you have some consistent growth for a while. But the big, big opportunities is when, um, you know, when everybody starts acting I mean, really insane, when they're, they're doing things that are, that are not logically sound, they're very irrational. Um, the media helps with that. I, I don't think the media is, a, is the, my friend or the public's friend in general. That, and that's just part of the nature of their business. That, yeah. uh, if you turn down the news and, and they say, hey, everything is great, you know, check back tomorrow, see if there's an update. You know, people wouldn't watch, it wouldn't yeah. be good for their ratings and yeah. they wouldn't have a show. So I, I understand that they have to say doom and gloom and, you know, create a lot of hype around things. Um, but those are the key moments that, that what they do, what the media does really helps somebody like me, really helps other people that, um, you know, have, have done their homework, have, have paid their dues for, you know, years or decades. Uh, those are big opportunities. So, um, you know, I think re something you might find relatable in that vein is that, uh, I have this thing I, I think about and talk about on occasion that what you were saying, like everybody wants to be the man on Saturday night, the, the guy getting his, his hand raised, but nobody wants to put in the work. And you know, related to that, I think to myself, well, you, you don't get to go to war with the army you wish you had. You don't yes. get to go to war with the resources you wish you had. Mm -hmm. You know, When you have one of those opportunities in the market uh, or when you have to go you know, present yourself to, to defend your belt, um, you're going to show up for war with the, the resources you built during peace times. Yeah, and and that's where you know you start to, especially you know, I'm, I'm 30 now. I've been in the game for about seven, eight years. I've been a competitor in in hand-to-hand -hand combat since I was five years old. Um, but you you know you get older and you realize that um, these moments count and the little things uh, will add up, and so. You know, Mike Chandler, Gilbert, Luke Rockhold, Robbie Lawler. I took from all these guys who, you know, have all been champions. And you start piecing together, you know, listening to that advice. And you, you really, st I really started to see my, my skills grow in, in listening to those guys. And so, um, you know, now with the belt on the line, this is the biggest moment of my, my competing career and I have to do all those things right. And so I think once, once I started listening to the right people, I really started to grow and, and figure out who I was, what I needed, and you know, I got the belt. So that, that was, uh, I guess that was just key for me is having the right people. So some, some people that you mentioned that you, you were inspired and got to learn some things from Brock Lesnar from Tony Ferguson, from Mike Chandler, from Robbie Lawler, Gilbert Burns, uh, another name you mentioned in there, I'm, I'm blanking on. But uh, why didn't you just figure it all out by yourself, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, because it, uh, yeah. I guess at that time, especially, I guess <clears throat> going jump into some, uh, like say when I was doing my amateur, right? I had no clue, we'd watch it on TV mm -hmm. and the, me, I've, I always I like to research things as well. So me as a um, high school kid would be looking up, trying to find their training camps. Um, it was really mm. before you know YouTube wasn't as big. Th you know social media wasn't that big then. I think it was pretty much only Twitter. You know there was no Instagram yet, and so you didn't have the access. Um, but I was like, what are these guys doing? How many miles they're running? What are they eating? Um, 
And then once I got that information, you know, in person, I started to piece it together. And still, I was a young kid who had no idea. Um, and then you, you know, meet, come down here and I meet Henry Hooft and, and, and I, I don't know if you, if you try to do things by yourself and try to take a path that you've never traveled, you know, yet yourself, uh, it's definitely, it's hard to get, uh, where you, where you actually want to end up. There's a lot of people out here that they, I'll just, you know, yeah, money, burb, that's nice, but I'll just figure it out by myself. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, Logan, you know, that's cool, bro, but I'll just, I'm just going to do it my way. I'm not going to listen to Henry Hooft or Gilbert Burns or, you know, any yeah. th these legendary multi-time champions. I'm just going to do it my way, Logan. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. I I've helped recruit some of these young guys that want to fight now. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm pretty honest, you know, sometimes brutally honest with, I said, I said, you need to, if you want to do it, you know, I said, I'd love for you to come here. I said, but you don't waste my time. Don't, don't waste everybody else's time. You know, Robbie, you know, Mike's helped a lot with these guys, Gilbert, and then uh, Greg Jones, Jason, you know, all our coaches. I said, they're going to put time into you. I said, you have to be a hundred percent in. And I said, this is what you want to do. It's not a, a half-assed, you know, thing where you come here and, and, do it for six months and then move back home.